This is the Mouths of the South podcast. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. The official Dirty South soccer podcast. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Talking all things Atlanta United FC. Don't nobody understand the words that are coming out of your mouth, man. We are the Mouths of the South. The South got something to say. That's all I got to say. What's up, Atlanta? This is the Mouths of the South podcast brought to you by Dirty South Soccer and the Palacios. Well, not in the Palacios, I say the fan studios. I'm in Portland. These guys are in Atlanta. Gentlemen, how's it going? It's going pretty well. Portland, which one? The Stoner Portland? Portland. Oh, wait, Portland. both of them are that. Uh, yeah. Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine, where it's like 98 degrees outside, and I don't understand. Well, that's unexpected, but you go from one place where there are moose to another place where there are moose. And clashes in the streets between police and protesters. Different Portland. Different Portland, yeah. <laughs> yes, the other one. It's funny that you, first of all, who Different says Portland. Portland and doesn't clarify Maine? Like, say Portland, we're going to think Oregon. Of course, yeah. Like, like, I mean, come on. Come Look, on. I just expect everyone to just understand my thoughts, be in my brain, know what I'm thinking at every given moment. Isn't, uh, Portland I don't need to explain which Portland I'm at because people already know which Portland I'm at. Hey, yeah, we always know. Eric. <laughs> hey, isn't it? I heard it's, it's beautiful during this. I've been there a couple times in the summer. Um, Cause I have family in New England. What it, a looks real, it looks beautiful, beautiful, really nice. Summer. Wait a minute, time yeah. out. Which one is it, Josh? You've heard that it's beautiful, or you've been there? It seems I've been like there. You're a, I've been okay. there. Well, I was okay. a little kid, so I should like, it's like, well, I don't really remember anything, but I was told that it was nice. Yeah, that's like the one time I went to Vermont when I was a kid, and like the only thing I remember is the maple syrup lollipops, which probably Ooh. contribute to a lot of <laughs> diabetes. Ooh, very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Very American there. Looking forward yeah, for to her. all the seafood I can possibly get up here. So, mm-hmm. And speaking me. of American, we'll get to some USMNT talk here in a little bit. They there actually won a trophy, although it wasn't one that means anything. But before we get to that – yeah, thank you. Uh, I just wanted to talk <laughs> a little bit about my experience at the Atlanta United game against Nashville. Uh, first of all, way too many people buying those parlay kits. Like, you know, <laughs> like, this, I saw so many of those. This things. is the first game you've been back to in person, right? No, I went to one last season, but it was like super COVID protocol. Like this everybody is your had to first wear masks and all that the, stuff. Right. Okay, right. Yeah. So this was my first one gotcha. back under normal circumstances. The roof was open. It was a beautiful day. You know, Atlanta United got off to such a great start. And then, unfortunately, as we've seen at home, this is a problem that has kind of permeated Atlanta United no matter who the coach is. And it's giving up late goals, like giving up uh, opportunities at the end of games when when you've had chances to win games. Uh, Actually, the game I went to uh, last year, the one that was like super COVID protocol and everything, uh, DC United, a game that we gave up late. Uh, so right, right. Yes. So unfortunately, Atlanta United's been kind of plagued with this. But overall, um, you know, and we'll get into some Atlanta United stuff kind of more in depth a little later in the podcast uh, after we talk U.S. Men's National Team in terms of what we've liked so far from Atlanta United in the the early part of the season. But it was an amazing experience getting back there, uh, full house, and uh, you know, people getting back to normal, not being like you know scared or afraid or whatever just you know i I had a pass in the uh, home depot backyard and uh that was a really cool tailgating experience like that was something that you know you're right in the shadow of the stadium so it it was cool getting back to a a little bit of normalcy um you know uh, thanks to my dad for the tickets he's got uh 
Delta 360 Club or whatever. Ooh. So we were able to, yeah, I know, right? Big time in it. Uh, so we were able to watch the, the the starting lineups like go in and and out and stuff like that. Although that did delay us leaving. Like we had to wait until all the players like came out like <laughs> the tunnel. They were like, we're not letting us leave, and that didn't make too many people happy, particularly with the way the game ended. You know, you're already kind of mad uh, giving up yeah, those true. goals. But overall. A uh, great experience. Good to be back in, in the bins and, and hoping for a lot more. I mean, you know, you see in the first half of this game, this team definitely has, uh, you know, the ability to get forward, the ability to score goals. They also have an ability to get caught out. So we'll, we'll dive into that in a little bit. But I just wanted to share my experience before we switched to a uh, something that Atlanta United knows a little bit about, uh, a meaningless trophy for the uh, U.S. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean – I don't think the trophy. Does everyone else does? Does everyone else feel that way, or is it just me? Okay, well, hold on. The trophy itself is meaningless, but the the game win, itself is not. The win yeah. in those circumstances right. against yes. Mexico does mean something for the hundred percent. Absolutely now, right, Josh. If Mexico had wins, doesn't mean much. But I <laughs> because you, because it was U.S. means everything. In norm, the world. For normal, but we, I mean, they, we we really needed that going into World Cup qualifying, and yep. hopefully the World Cup uh, being a part of it uh, next summer. So. Man, Can I say I, I ending on his head there, man? It's been so long since I've legitimately been proud of the U.S. men's national team. This was I, I want to say the first time, essentially since they didn't qualify for the World Cup uh, in that maybe match against Trinidad. Maybe, yeah. I mean, it I was have so been bad down on the it, U.S. men's national team since the Jamaica loss in the Georgia Dome. Like, think yeah, it was, that. It, like it was, that's how it's, long it's been. I agree. It's I been agree. a long time coming that they actually show up and and do something on on that big of a stage and and. Uh, you know they they had to come back from they had to come from behind essentially the entire time so but character yeah but i mean yeah that that's big that's big cuz i doubted seriously whether th- this group of young players this talent pool could really show up to a world cup go up against the world's best and really not crumble under the pressure and look mexico it wasn't a bunch of young guys for them it was it was a lot of their normal key key guys and uh but it was also but, a 50 50 squad there were some guys sure yeah i'm not saying but i mean you saw Tecatito, you saw guardado you saw yeah, yeah, yeah. big names probably uh, more of a uh a and when you go squad for the u.s than it was for mexico though you, sure for sure and when you go into a world cup situation you're gonna see you know big name players like that now they're i i would say most well whatever you're gonna see big name players like that and so for them to step up in those moments to um to 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 rally and and get the win and and ultimately win a trophy it it's huge i don't care about the trophy i care about the fact that they beat mexico in that that's moment absolutely that, that's what you take from this it's the win over mexico it's a win over mexico and a final of something that you know we joke that it's meaningless because that joke is true it is i mean they, they created nations like basically what's happening in international soccer is all of these leagues want to make more money so they're creating these like intra-conference tournaments and ultimately i think what it's going to do is definitely water down friendlies you're not going to see as many good friendlies anymore because you have like and and when i say good friendlies i mean ones where like u.s will play like a team from europe or something because they're all sort of compartmentalizing and creating like oh there's a nation's league now so we're going to play in that as opposed to playing like a friendly against like a u.s or something so i think from that perspective it's bad for the u.s because they're not going to get that much or that many opportunities or as many opportunities to go up against really good talent, because let's just call it what it is. CONCACAF has some very scrappy and, and good teams at times, but nowhere close to what UEFA is or more so scrappy. So, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, that's the thing. It's like, you're not going to get as many good friendlies because of this, because these confederations are just cash grabbing like, Oh, let's create this tournament and act like it means something. But ultimately it, it really doesn't. I think this, the, the, the biggest impact the nation's league has is like determining seating for like the gold cup. I think yeah, that's and, it. And I think almost these are meant to replace friendlies, which, you know, there was a and lot it sucks. of, and I can see either side of it. I guess the other side of that would be, you know, there was already a lot of criticism of having these uh, friendlies weirdly placed. Now at least you're playing for something, you know, I, it's a stretch, right? But I think that would be the other side of it is that you're already getting, you know, a lot of crap with, uh, with a lot of the friendlies. So at least we put a trophy on the line and you see uh, two teams out there giving, you know, giving their all just because, you know, it's instinctive to do that in the final. Uh, that, that's an interesting debate, you know, uh, for another mm-hmm. time. But, I, you know, I think regarding what you guys said about the game, on top of the, the fact the team showed character and that it was important to beat Mexico in that moment, you played some really good soccer too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been really – and you know, because there's been a lot of talk over the last few years of, you know, how the, the, the team is improving with the influx of young talent and the players, you know, all these players playing at, uh, in the big leagues in Europe. But I saw some statistic during the match that was like – that was the first – uh, you know, the, the U.S. hadn't played a competitive match in like 530 days or something going back to the, the TNT loss before the previous World Cup. Um, so, like, we haven't really gotten a chance to see them in a game that really... Like outside of a friendly, something. like, wait, competitive, competitive match? Yeah, I mean, it was the first time, you know, if you look at qualifiers... Oh, you, gotcha, you gotcha, had gotcha, World gotcha. Cup qualify, okay. You know, gotcha, so gotcha. I, I don't mean to say that, it, you know, there was nothing on the line. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. The first match where I think, you know, what you mentioned, Eric, that that's going to be not like a World Cup match, but there are some similarities there, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of the intensity and the pace of the match. That was the first time we'd really gotten a chance to see this new group in that environment. And not only did they show the character that you guys are talking about responding um, from being down multiple times, obviously the Horvath save late, um, but also you played some really good soccer. I know the goals are from set pieces and a, and a penalty, but, you know, you, you got to watch you know, Pulisic and Reyna and Sargent combined. It's a good midfield with McKinney and Tyler Adams. You know, we saw the dynamism that Serginio Desk can add. I mean, it's, it's actually going to be a fun team to watch, where I feel like even if, you know, maybe you don't have uh, a ton of success in the World Cup, it's, it's going to be fun to watch, and it's going to be a team that's going to be in the game, energetic and ready to go. And I think at this point, based on where you were four years ago, that's more or less all you can ask for. And to echo what Eric said, I mean – beating Mexico, like anytime you beat Mexico, it's going to be good. This team really needed this because if they had lost this game, that would have been just terrible for the psyche. Like, you know, it's like you beat Mexico. That gives you, as as you said earlier, Josh, you know, going into World Cup qualifiers, I think that gives you a whole different mentality. Uh, you know, you, you've measured yourself up against the best in your confederation and came out on top. So, uh whether it was the best best or not, like the A squad for Mexico is kind of beside the point. But I will say that, again, just mentality-wise, this team definitely needed to win this. And then for them to win it sets up very well because, as we know, they've got all the talent in the world. I mean, they've got a very, very just talent-rich squad right now. It's just a matter of, you know, coaching, system, all that stuff. Can all that stuff come together for them to, you know, make a little bit of a run at the World Cup? But before you do that, you got to qualify for the World Cup first. 
I was gonna say normally my criticism in a game like that would be uh, that that because all the goals came from set pieces that it didn't they didn't they kind of bailed themselves out by doing that, but that it was more a product of how they were playing that they earned Agreed. those set pieces and created chances in the run of play. Exactly, yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't it didn't feel like it was uh, you know oh well this team got bailed out by set pieces that it didn't feel like that at all. I feel like they earned those moments and then in those moments they you know they capitalized. On top of that, it's a it's a final. And you really don't care how you win those games as long as, I mean, it could have been four PKs and, and you could have shown nothing else. I was, was still would have been happy for the fact that they, they got to that point where they were able to were able to win. So it was, it was a good, it was a great win. It was, was, a, great, real it was a great game. It was a great atmosphere. Oh, was I, was great. Wa- I was watching at a bar with, with in, in, uh, in Texas and everyone was watching. Everyone, the, everyone was going crazy. The crowd reactions to the Horvat save were awesome. incredible. When they showed like the the uh, behind the the mm-hmm. Guardado, the like, behind the, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, I mean that was awesome. Just seeing that whole crowd go, yeah. When's the last time? I mean, this. When's the last time the U.S. had anything even resembling a positive result like this? I mean, you might have to go Oof. all the way back to uh, like Landon to Donovan. The, to to, to, I mean, to well, I would say you go. I was going to say taking Clinton Belgium to extra time in the World Cup. I mean that that's probably more positive than anything we've Some, seen. Something up to from this. that World Cup, yeah, maybe yeah. Uh, maybe the Ghana win or the Portugal draw, which you blew at the end. Of, ugh, see, even that makes me mad. But yeah, exactly. So Ronaldo. I would. <sighs> you know, it's been a while. Is my point. <laughs> it's been a while since we had anything like I, this. I still. I mean, unless I'm like gravely missing something, I still. I still think that that like a moment like that. I think I'd have to go back to the. Because the Belgium thing wasn't, uh, I, I don't know. Like Tim Howard's performance was incredible. I yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. But in that World Cup, getting out of the group of death in that World That's Cup, fair. I think is the last yeah. real positive, and it's it's not connected with specific. specific it games. just the doesn't feel this feeling I had about the team. It just doesn't feel the same because in that same getting out of the group of death in that World Cup didn't like weren't the headlines and all like the newspapers and like on ESPN USA lose what was it two nothing to Germany but still qualify or something like that. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. it, it, you didn't get the same in. kind of you didn't got it sure, but you didn't get the same kind of excitement you got when mm, when fair, you know, with totally something fair. like this. Um, John I Brooks mean, result. I mean, when you know what's uh, with uh, Ian Dart just screaming John Brooks, that might be like the moment that we go back to. It's like yeah, the most Brooksy. recent thing where we were all like, oh my god, you know. Was that a friendly? Was that a friendly though? No, no that maybe. was the World Cup. Yeah. No, 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 you're World right, you're Cup. right, you're right. Sorry, yeah, you're that right, was right. seven years ago, wasn't it? John Brooks. Is, was that really seven years ago? Am I getting, getting so out? old, guys. Yeah, getting so old. That's that's the last World Cup the United States played. In. Like, <laughs> I was just a young young man with every my whole life ahead of me. And Josh and I were recording soccer podcasts with no equipment at all. Just oh, yeah, talking that's right. Man. Computers. That's right. Wow, wow. Time flies. Time flies. Before you transition, Lane, real quick, I just wanted to say, like, I don't think anybody really had a bad performance for the U.S. Did they? I, I mean, you I don't could think maybe so. say Mark McKenzie with the giveaway. Early. Yeah, I mean, I do think the weak p- point of the team appears to be maybe that back line needs to come together a little bit. That's okay, but you know, like I said, it's, it's I'm just so excited that enjoying watching them play again and that you have some character. But I would say that that back line, particularly finding a good center back pairing, although assume one of them is John Brooks, maybe one of them is Miles Robinson, but I think they need to figure out that back four situation. Yeah. I was going to say the only bad USMNT performance was uh, Aguchi Onyewu for saying he was going to leap across the desk and choke a woman. Um, yes, <laughs> yes. Although offered, a, I appreciate a, some good sincere apology. And I, that's another thing. Can I bring? I thought I thought the CBS coverage. They did well. That very disturbing moment is great. 
Yeah, Dempsey, I, Dempsey was a breath of fresh air. You on talk about podcast. not enjoying watching the U.S. play. I don't uh, in a long time. I don't think I've enjoyed watching U.S. Uh, live TV coverage in, <laughs> like ever. Well, since so, ESPN like, lost it, it's been really tough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So that was that was a breath of fresh air uh, just to see. Just, just some genuine discussion, you know. That's all we ask for, and uh, yeah, I, I loved every moment of that experience uh, watching it. It was, it was really cool. Let's hope it continues tonight when they play just Costa Rica, right? Not the same atmosphere, but is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Why would they Costa play again Rica. right after a Nations League final? Guys, this is a friendly, international friendly, international, international break. They're gonna play two games. But wait, I thought the, the Nations League was supposed to mean something. I'm, I'm totally trying to egg you on here. Eric. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, they play tonight at 7 o'clock. I didn't yes. even know that. You guys made me sound like I'm an idiot. I had to look it up because I was like, am well, I Well, unfortunately, like, yeah, Josh yeah, yeah. just ruined my bit because like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I knew they were playing tonight. I was trying to reinforce the point of, wait, why would they be playing again after this major final just occurred? But well, you know. I, yeah, didn't know. I mean, it, it means so much that they had to play another one right after the fact. So, That's what I mean, I'm saying, exactly. It looks exactly like a regular international break. So, I mean, you, you take that and, and do with it what you will. Where are we going to go next? Atlanta United? Atlanta United, yes. What, what we've thought of the, uh, I guess, pre-international break yeah. start of this season so far. And I know, Eric, I want you to get us started because I know you weren't – Sam and I had a chance to talk about this a couple of weeks ago and you weren't here. And I think you have a different viewpoint in terms of – Well, I mean, everyone and their mother knows my viewpoint. In, in terms of uh, – <laughs> on twitter but i mean not all of our listeners are on twitter so i and, uh, i uh what i will say is that the 2-2 win again or sorry the 2-2 draw against nashville uh it it that was the, the dramatic kind of the dramatic shift that i was didn't think would happen and was and glad did happen um they got a lot more direct it looked like they were given a lot more freedom to go forward you saw a ton of people in the box at any given time whenever um and Lenny I was was attacking um you know I feel like I'm gonna miss on some of the deals, details because it was what two weeks ago now but it, it just felt like a a it felt more reminiscent of 2017 2018 than you know the first nine matches whatever we've seen before that and and that that part I liked it gave me hope that okay well we weren't gonna see what we saw you know in every game leading up to the national match now the ending wasn't great and maybe that's a product of of playing so free flowing in the in the attack that you kind of get used to it and you kind of uh, get comfortable, you know, pushing forward and and you get caught out. I just I was a fan of the directness. I was a fan of, um, you know, everyone getting involved. I was a fan of Miles Robinson. That seems to be a pattern now where he's just going to try to go over the top, which I'm I'm not against at all. If it's there, play it. That's what I'm saying. I I I, I like that they didn't. There was I don't know. It was almost like in the Frank DeBoer year where. It felt like it was almost in the front, like we were back in the Frank DeBoer year in the sense that we were, it's like we were circulating the ball just to circulate the ball. And we were looking for a perfect shot or perfect pass or perfect whatever, perfect opportunity to go forward. And, and you're just not going to get that. I, I mean, anyone that's listened to our podcast has, has watched enough, more than enough soccer to know that, 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 that those opportunities don't come very often, if, if ever in a game. And you, you make, you take chances, you, you, you go forward, you do things that, um, you know, present a little risk. And I feel like that, that risk factor was never there in the first few match, first, yeah. you know, 
leading up to this national what, game. What about from a long-term perspective, though? Like, do you feel like it just so that it just depends? Because I, I look at. I sorry, feel like you're super question. worried. No, no, I want I want to hear from you because Sam and I so have I, talked about I, this, and I feel like you have a more pessimistic long-term view based on what you've seen so far. Well, I mean, consistent consistency is the key for me. So, you know, does what we saw against Nashville get fine-tuned and then, uh, you know, promoted again in the next few matches to come or, you know, are we, are we dialing it back and, and, and holding on, holding on to possession, being more mindful in in the type of passes we make, looking for more perfect uh, opportunities. Um, And that might be a bad way to describe it. That's just how it looks to me. It's like, they're just, they're just, they're very cautious with not trying to turn the ball over, which is great. I'm not saying, you know, be dumb, uh, but if you're going, if you, if you want to make a mis- if you want to take a risk, Miles Robinson wants to take a ball over the top to, to Moreno and see what happens all for it. Do it. Um, you know, try to find those moments where you can, so that it's not just circulation. It's not just, you know, uh, you know, it, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, at least from, from, from the way it's, it looks to me, a, a, a very similar copy to what you saw under the Frank DeBoer. Um, I, it just, I want to see this team be exciting again. Yeah. And that was the first time in this season because uh, I didn't really get to see the Chicago game. And I wouldn't have taken much from that because it's first game of the or first uh, one of the first matches of the season. But if they can be consistent like that, they can be that fun team that we love so much. Um, and that's so that all I'm not saying it consistent consistency means that they have, they're going to win every game. I'm not that they have to win every game or that, you know, it's a failure if you don't, they don't win every game from here on out, you doing the same thing but at least the mindset ha- would the consistency in that mindset is, is what I'm hoping for. Yeah. I mean, and you uh, or see, at least, at least from the players. Yeah. And you want to see, I think consistency of chances created, right? I mean, it, that's yeah. what I think what it really comes down to. And I think when you go back to the best runs uh, that Lane United have had from a consistency standpoint, while the results of course were usually pretty good. Uh, but the main thing is that you were consistently creating more chances than the other team. And I think the big question is, cause Eric, you and I have a slightly different of opinion on this where I feel that uh, while you're not creating a lot, I do feel you're seeing a intention to create. And I do think you're seeing right. an intention to go direct in the right places. But in the end, you know, the, the proof's going to be in the pudding, the results and the performances are going to tell the story. And that's really what the question is going to be. We've seen that this team will control possession. They will control the tempo of the game. You do have uh, some pretty good solidity defensively. You mentioned Miles Robinson and he's a big part of that. But in the end, the question is, are you going to turn all of this into chances on the attacking end? I tend to think that more chances are going to come. You're a little more worried. But it, either way, that's going to determine how, how the season goes. And, uh, and, and time will tell. Simple as that. Yeah, defensively, I'm not even worried about it. It sucked. It sucked that they gave up the two goals at the end there in the last, you know, 81st and like 83rd minute, I think it is. Um, but you, we know what this team is defensively. You know, we know how you know the, the rock that that, totally. that the back and line the second is. Second goal was a lucky deflection. Yeah, we well, we know how consistent yeah. the defensive players on this team and and how defensive how consistent defensive how consistently defensively minded this team can be, um, and how strong that part of the game, of the team is. So I'm not too worried about in the long term. So yeah, my my main issue was the you know how are we going to how is it going to be how are we going to attack in a way that's just not going to inv- uh, result in getting the ball to Joseph? And right. I, I was, I was, there was more proof in the pudding in, in this match against Nashville when we actually saw them go direct, go more direct, um, 
you know, be more aggressive when it came to, you know, how many players they were crossing the ball into stuff like that. Like too often it was, I think I tweeted out at one point. It's like, Oh my gosh, is that, is that more than one guy in the box on a cross? Cause normally it was just Joseph, Joseph jumping between four defenders. Um, and so it's just, you know, hopefully that continues. <clears throat> it sucks that that, that we had this national game and then we had an international break. Yeah. Um, so that's going to like, let's, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try not to be super down on uh, when, <clears throat> whenever this first game back is uh, after this international break. Um, and hopefully these players are still, you know, still at least active enough to where they're not going to, there's not going to be any kind of major drop off when it comes to getting back to the swing of things. Um, but I, I, I am more optimistic than I am pessimistic than I was uh well, the game before Nashville <laughs> was Seattle. Very, very pessimistic. <laughs> that was that very time. pessimistic. But once, Sometimes. once I, once I watched them against Nashville, I'm, I'm, I'm still pessimistic. I'm tilted more it, within that pessim, pessimism. Pessimism. I'm tilted more into uh, an optimistic state there, um, at least for the time being. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens after this international break. If they continue with. Uh, with with what we saw kind of in Nashville, or if they kind of revert back to the old to the older ways, and and depending on what happens there, it it, it could dictate the rest of the season. Who knows? I mean, there is it's it's also weird because this they could go all the way to the to the to the All Star break, um, playing a specific way, post All Star break, play a different way, and then find a way back to to to, to you know being on top of the table or or whatever high on top high atop the table. I think right now they're still out of the playoffs in eighth place, if I remember correctly. But they're not that far off on points when it comes to you know getting back into the into the playoff picture and, and high atop the table. I think there is one you know narrative that you know I guess maybe even I created uh, about the team being lucky uh, at times, and the Nashville game didn't really do a whole lot to dispel that for me, uh, especially with that first goal. <laughs> so I think that that's something I'm going to want to pay attention to. Like, is this Atlanta United sort of creating their luck? And a lot of people would say that luck doesn't really exist. You know, you create those opportunities and, and, you know, the, I think, uh, what would you say was of, lucky about the first goal? Just the keeper? Not yeah. I was going to say the keeper's positioning was really bad. Yeah. 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 Okay. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, the, I don't want to nitpick, but you know, I'm just saying like that, that no, probably right. shouldn't have been scored. I mean, you know, I'm just, just putting it out there. So Absolutely correct. I, I think that, you know, overall, um, you know, you do create your own breaks. You do create those opportunities. And a lot of people would say, you know, what, what's one of the most prevailing soccer philosophies over the last, you know, hundred years? Have a go. You know, what's the worst that could happen if you have a go? And so, Tito Vizalba's motto. That's right, absolutely. But at the same time, you were unlucky. You were you were unlucky in that game as well. I mean, for sure. I do think you know it tends to even out, and certainly Atlanta United. When you think about that Seattle and those Seattle and Montreal fixtures, yeah, no question about it. Uh, but I think at the same time, I mean, you see, you know, the other side of the uh, uh, of the coin here, where I think you were very unlucky, especially the equalizing goal, which is just a random deflection off of um, I can't remember if it was Miles or whatever on the shot, and it just falls yeah. right to Mukhtar, just you know, yeah. uh, who was not even really a part of that play until that point. So I think it's super unlucky as well in that match, and that's one of the reasons that's we're fair. taking some positives from it. Um, but we'll see. We will I see. do remember thinking. I do remember thinking. Uh, Especially after I saw the highlights, I was like, 
maybe maybe it's time to start thinking about a new keeper. I'm not like Guzan oh, out. Oh boy. I'm not Guzan out, nor am oh, I geez. nor am I really blaming him for for uh, the, the 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 two goals. Keeper like, talk. Not even close to, to to the point I'm trying to make. I'm just I'm just thinking like you know, is there like a young athletic guy that maybe could have gotten that or maybe could have made a better effort on that? That makes you know, a lot less money. That makes a lot less money that, you know, it is. That's why I'm going to back Eric up I, look, here. I'm going to back I'm, Eric I'm up not, on this one. And I'm not, again, it's not, this is not a, a you know, this is not I, I hate Guzan type of deal. I, you know, he's, he, I'm happy to have him here as long as he's, yeah. you know, he's wanting to play. Uh, it just, there was the first time it crossed my mind amongst all the, you know, the four, the fifth year, this is the fifth year, four years that Guzan has been here. Uh, this is the, well, four, three and a half or whatever it is. Um, this is the first time that kind of crossed my mind. Was like, I wonder if there's a younger guy that could have, you know, maybe done a little bit better on those or, or maybe reacted a little bit quicker or maybe, you know, made a more athletic play on the, I don't know, something. Because I, I, I've watched, having watched some of the international soccer and, and watching some of these other goalkeepers, I'm just like, oh, I wonder if maybe there's someone out there. I got, especially when you look at, you know, just some of the other goalkeepers in MLS, especially the young ones. Shots the are fired doing. here. No, Shots I'm like, fired. look, I, it's it's a very wow. like reserved take, man. Like, I if if it's <laughs> Guzan, great. I'm not like I'm not actively holding up the sign hashtag Guzan out. No, that's not that's not what I'm doing. I'm just I'm just curious. Well, as a, fan, right. as a fan, right as you. someone as someone who who you know is a lot of you critical of the team, I'm just wondering. Not even like saying. I'm just wondering if that's a thing. Really, I'm when just you look at MLS, when you look at MLS, you look at team contracts and, and how good teams are built and things like that. Bring Atlanta back United, Tim Backus. Atlanta United with Brad <laughs> Guzan is not a good piece of business. It's it's just not. I mean that that's that's not anything. And look, I love Brad. I think we all can agree he's had some great moments for Atlanta United. But yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's uh, I, I don't think it's something that you know, you're trashing Brad Guzan by saying that Atlanta United no. could probably upgrade the position while downgrading the amount of money the position is making. The salary is indefensible. I mean, regardless of what you think about, uh, what you think about Guzan, I mean, look, I mean, the goalkeeper doesn't come out of the box. I mean, it's just, there's no reason to be paying uh, a position of that little influence that much money. I'm not saying well, in a league that has a salary cap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, a in a salary, salary cap, cap. Like, yeah. you know, if you're Real Madrid, you can pay, you know, whatever goalkeeper, whatever you want. Yeah. Absolutely. But in this league, spending that much of your salary cap on a goalkeeper is irresponsible. Can we, can we, can I mention something else, Elena related that we, I don't, at least I haven't talked about and maybe you guys have more because yeah. I've only seen service stuff on, but Atlanta United uh, adjacent, the Paul McDonough stuff, what is happening and what has happened? And how do we recover from this? Given everything we heard from the athletic uh, about the front office, specifically Carlos Boganegra and, and other things that have happened within the front office. I didn't hear about that. What was that all have about? You guys, have you guys? Oh, geez. All right. Well, you're going to play that game, Josh. No, I never you guys, heard you, that story. You guys talk about this last week? No, 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 no. And you're, no, I, I'm just making fun of you. Uh, no, the, and, and the, we didn't talk about the McDonough thing. So what? I don't know. I, I know. I know. What, I know what happened. happened I that. I have a very surface understanding of what happened, but at the same time, why don't time, you guys actually set the table? Because like <laughs> there may be people out there that don't know what we're talking about. So you guys are just like, I know no, what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. If people are keeping up with MLS, they know that Paul McDonough's out of Atlanta United. The Inter Miami right? yeah. stuff, and because of the Inter Miami stuff, he's out of Atlanta United. He's suspended, I think, for next year and the year just next year. 
next all of this and next season. I yeah. mean, he's and yeah. he's gone. The the the, 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 the team, yeah, he's gone from the team. So you know, if he's going to be back in MLS, he's probably not going to be back with Atlanta United because I don't think that if, uh, this organization wants something like that to kind of be uh, associated with them. But it goes back to and the Paul McDonough stuff. Fine, that sucks. Aside from that, we all were under the assumption that he was here to help with the player acquisition aspect, a lot like what he did before. Uh, before he went to Miami, and now he's gone. Essentially, that puts everything back on the, I would assume, on the feet of either Darren Eels or Carlos Bocanegra, which if you take into account what we saw from Felipe Cardenas in The Athletic, probably not a good thing. What not did, a good what, sign. What did, what did Felipe say in The Athletic? Well, he talked about how... Uh, that, I, I don't remember that story. Damn it. How do you fall for it twice, Nate? Come <laughs> on, man. I thought... <laughs> Sam says, set it up for the listeners that don't know. Then you make that comment as if I'm setting it up for you. Here's the alley and I'm going to oop it. And that doesn't happen. Well, the listeners are going to The Miami last podcast story. was with Josh and I planning all of this. Because your alley was like a, was like a, was like a lob into the fucking stands. Jeez. Well, the listeners don't know about the inter Miami story. They know about it's okay. the, Felipe, the Felipe reporting. I think we all know about, but, but, but you just mentioned that in passing, in which case I had to stop you to say I hadn't heard about it to derail the entire legitimate point that you were making. Well, so I apologize. Funny. Well, I don't because it was funny <laughs> and, you, and you can go on. All I'm saying is that I'm worried now uh, about it's the people that it was before, right? At, like I, I mean, it, the, the, the roles might be switched from, from, I, I, I'd have to dig into it a lot more. Again, I've, I've just surfacely looked at this because I've been running around, but um, I would wonder if if the player scouting acquisition, all that stuff, falls more on Darren now because of the athletic article, or if it goes back to Carlos Bocanegra. Um, and if that's the case, then yeah, you're essentially back to where you started with a different coach. Because um, I assume I I don't know I, the way, even if you assume that oh it's a, it's a new coach it's it's a new it's a new reign it's 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 new personalities i mean look heinz is a lot like tata martino so in personality and and in the style of well sort of the style of play uh at least the 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 passion in which they try to play the game and and the emotion in which they show visibly and so i would assume that uh you know you've already had a version of this Carlos Bocanegra and, and, and a South American, Argentine manager, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, you've already seen one version of this. You know, you're going to look at another version where, um, where it, why would you think it would go any differently? I don't know. It's fair. And, and I mean, I, I mean, you may, I hope, I hope not. Be, like, I hope everything goes smoothly, but I, I just, and I, I think, again, I, I wonder. What I think you're going to see is someone in to replace McDonough. So again, you have someone that, you know, that, that hire will be very important, but we'll take some off of Bocanegra, Eels, and whoever else's plate. But in the meantime, I mean, you're in a similar position actually as last year, right? Where they might have been looking, they may or may not have been looking at some point uh, for someone like McDonough to come, to come in, back in. Uh, but in the meantime, you had Eels and Bocanegra running the show, and we all know what happened when uh, we saw not just the results on the pitch last year, but when we saw the salaries come out this year that, you know, yeah. You didn't get guys that were maybe up to standard. And even if they were, they're, they're significantly overpaid. 
Front office executives running wild. Well, yeah. speaking of last year, let's dive into this new uh, Frank DeBoer thing that we just uh, discovered. Yeah, there was an article about his basically uh, last few years of managing been quite tumultuous for him and uh, included an interesting nugget about his time at Land United uh, that we hadn't heard yet. Uh, basically, were, uh, just to quote the article, it says DeBoer felt some of uh, these players, those players being some of the South American Spanish-speaking players, that those players did not possess the level of tactical understanding needed to un- ensure yeah, needed to ensure that his system worked. At IX, players only had to be told w- once what they had to do, and they do it. Consequently, some Atlanta players felt like they were not getting enough guidance. So that has raised a lot of uh, <laughs> different opinions. So around. it's not Pity's fault, is what we're saying. <laughs> Well, I just think, I mean, it's well, I think he's right? throwing dirt on those players. Are you kidding yeah. me? He's definitely <laughs> saying it's Pity's fault. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, he's saying, well, I mean, we'll look at it from an, from, with an overview over uh, the whole situation from, from the fans. It's, if, if Frank DeBoer is saying that, then all of a sudden, all right, well, then if Pity wasn't getting enough guidance, maybe it's not yeah. his fault. Well, this seems maybe to I me like be, one of those. Maybe I shouldn't be as mad at Pity for not being as, interesting as he, that as he this wasn't. Was, this, was just, this was kind of a throwaway sentence in the article that is something that we had. I mean, it's something that we kind of suspected, but this was kind of a throwaway sentence because the article is more about just his history. It's a good article as a manager. seems to me, by the way, like one of those things that you know how people always say, like, why would Michael Jordan never be a good basketball coach? Because, you know, he can't just, like, be like, why can't you just do it like this? You know what I mean? Like, why can't you just right. do what I did? You know, that kind of seems like – and, look, I'm not saying that Frank DeBoer was anywhere close to the soccer player that Michael Jordan was the basketball player. Right. But it, it is that sort of, you know, Frank he DeBoer did have – That's what I'm saying. He was, a, yeah. he was a very good player who had a very good career. So, it might be one of those cases where he's looking at it from the perspective of these guys should know what I'm talking about and be able to do it like that. And it's just not that simple, particularly because he's coming from a background of a European style academy regimented where everything is, you know, your whole day is planned out for you essentially from sunrise to sunset. Exactly. Whereas South America, that's not how they do it. So I think that, that there's definitely a divide there. And yeah, you're not, look, Frank, you're not playing with European players who have sort of been indoctrinated into this way of doing things. You're, you're playing with and coaching a lot of South American players who have done things differently their whole lives. So you can't expect them to just know what you're talking about. So this is just Frank, for me, this is just Frank DeBoer showing again why he's the most like stubborn, unwilling to change. And he did change some. So that, that's not super fair. He tried to make it work in some instances, but still, He's got these core beliefs or tenets of his coaching philosophy that he simply will not break from. It also might just be, I mean, part of it might be as simple as it's just a respect factor. And these players did not respect Frank DeBoer because he wasn't, he wasn't because he had his own style because he had his, you know, his way of doing things. Whereas, you know, it was obvious that the players love Tata Martino. It's obvious these players are enjoying playing with uh, Heinze. So it's, you know, you, you, you look at the way they played under Frank DeBoer and it was just, they just weren't having fun. They weren't enjoying it. Uh, and, and back that or couple that with the comments of, you know, you told players at Ajax that, you know, that to do something did it right away. That is a respect thing. Right. That's, that, that's how things are done there. It's a respect to, to, to whoever's giving the order that you're going to do it right away because, we have respect for the manager and that just doesn't translate 
as directly as obviously to, you know, across cultures, you know, and, and that could be a major part of it. I'm not saying it's a whole story. Um, there's, that's probably a, a fraction of, of, of the reason, but I would be willing to bet that that had something to do with it. I agree. And I think that clash is kind of the fundamental clash of his entire reign between me and the players was that of the identity that had been established that those players, a lot of those players had become accustomed to throughout their careers um, clashing with Frank DeBoer. But I think in terms of the idea that these guys couldn't pick up on tactics, let me tell you, as someone, as someone who knows a lot about tactics, it's <laughs> really simple. I mean, you have to, like, obviously you have to learn the things, but nothing is, like, there's nothing you can tell a professional player tactically, positionally, that is going to, like, be a light, you know, maybe systems of play and things like that, but there's nothing that's going to confuse them, you know, like, tactically. You know, they, there's only so much, so many directions that you can give. The reality is the players were not listening to him, right? They didn't yeah. like each other. He came, like you guys saying, with the tactics that he wanted and the things he wanted, and he didn't explain them very well, as we've learned uh, since, uh, were, 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 were counter to some of the things that they did and the culture and the identity that he created when the club were, were counter to some of the things that they wanted. But it just, it, it almost, it pisses me off that Frank DeBoer, and I, I don't know where that sentence came from in the story or whatever, but the idea that they didn't get your tactics is, oh, yeah. is, is just ridiculous because professional players understand what the manager is telling them tactically. If, if they're not doing it, it's because they're not listening to you. Well, he's just making excuses for being a bad coach. Like, bottom line, like, this guy hasn't been successful really outside of Ajax as a head coach. He's been a joke as the head coach of the Netherlands. Like, you talk about, like and, – and, and it's a little surprising, too, in a sense, because, like, the way that Ajax works is very similar to the way the Netherlands works. You would think in, in terms of like training and like all that stuff, the, the federation to the team. So you would think that he would be able to do well with that kind of a, a talent pool that the Netherlands had. They, they might not be, you know, the golden generation that was like making the world cup final in 2010 and stuff like that, but they're still a very good, very talented pool of players. And so it's like, okay, you're blaming Atlanta United players for not quote, getting your tactics, but what the hell's happened at, you know, the, the Dutch national team where you've been a joke and you, ha you haven't been able to score right. goals. Like, you know, yeah. it's like it, he's, he's clearly deflecting, clearly trying to cover up for just not being that good of a coach in the first place. Like that, that and I think that it, it, it's sad to say this because, you know, maybe given the right opportunity, which I guess I thought the Netherlands was going to be the right opportunity, he could thrive, but it just, it just doesn't seem that way. It just seems like yeah. this guy – thinks that it's his way or the highway. And if you don't buy into his system, then, you know, you're not going to be valuable to him. Sort of like a Tito Vijalba became here at Atlanta United, a player that, you know, has had shown that he could be good in this league, but Frank DeBoer had no use for him. So it's like, if you don't buy into his crap, you know, you're not going to feature for him or, or be a part of his plans. And it's like, it, it takes me back to Felipe's article for a second, because, you know, what was that about? What was in the article? Um, well, I'm just wow. saying. No, stop. Don't wow. Fall Don't, fall for it. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Thank you for stopping. Three yeah. times. Yes. Well done, what, Josh. Well, you, well you, I was going to say, you, you got Eric twice and me once. So, so good for you. Uh, I guess, what is it? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame I'm on you. Back, fool me Josh. three I'm times. Tag you back. I'm going to kick you in the balls. Um, <laughs> so, like, I, I will say, though, that going back to Felipe's article, waiting for Josh to make some crack. No, I don't know. I can't. It won't be funny okay. if I do it again. <laughs> okay. So, 
the whole thing about trying to change the culture of the club and like Darren Eels coming out and say, that's not what we're doing. We're not trying to change the culture of the club. That feels like a lie because like Frank DeBoer wanted to change the culture of the club because these no players true. wouldn't listen to him. They wouldn't do exactly what he wanted them to do at all times. So LGP, TW Jalba, these players, he was getting rid of them because the culture that they had established in the club wasn't the culture that worked for him. So, again, it's ultimately like Atlanta United, we don't need you to lie to us, okay? Right. Like, and yeah. that was something that, that I'm still sort of upset about. It's like, we, you know, it, it, we get what happened, just, just be honest. And I think you guys said it all. I mean, the, 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 players, the players were not happy, and that's, that's what this comes down to. And, the, and, and it, you know, the idea that it's a tactical thing is, 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 a, bit, is a bit ridiculous, and it's as simple as that. You, you nailed it, Sam. They said they weren't changing the culture. We know from that uh, story – uh, Felipe, Felipe's story that we've just mentioned so many times, but uh, we know. Wait, which quite, story? We know, we know very. See, I didn't fall for it. See, I didn't. <laughs> you can't get me with my own material. Uh, but you know, we know that there was a shift in culture that they wanted to change to a more, I guess, pragmatic defensive manager uh, because teams had changed their tactics or whatever it was reported in the story. So this is just more confirmation that they wanted to change the culture and and that and that it didn't work. And, and that was the issue. It was not the players' understanding tactics. Is that the players were not following the culture change that in the end was one initiated by Bocanegra, Eels, and company. And the last thing I want to mention uh, about this story before we wrap up that, again, goes back to Bocanegra and Eels was that, and we didn't know this. It said when Frank DeBoer was fired from Atlanta, he had no idea. He was blindsided. He thought he was coming into the club on a Monday to do his normal COVID protocols. Instead, he gets uh, called in uh, to the boss's office and he gets his walking papers. So, you know, you again see this trend. You know, it's, maybe it's not a big deal, but I think it shows that at least during that period, the employees or whatever you want to call them, the players and coaching staff of the club were not treated particularly well by Carlos Bocanegra and company. And that just played into the poor morale at the club even more. That's why there's a Felipe article to begin with because of stuff like that. Yeah. You know, there's no so reason for the people or with the club or the players or whoever to vent to someone like Felipe if there's no issues. So does that, the mean, fact does that, that sorry, go I'll ahead. just say that the club created that like that, like they, they want to get mad about it or they want to mm-hmm. throw Felipe under the bus mm-hmm. on their, you know, mouthpiece radio station. That's fine. But it's kind of, you know, not the best look for them a and b well you brought it on yourself like there's nobody to blame but you the club did this the club pissed off some people ostracized others and quite frankly thought they knew more about like things than tata martino did it created a big divide it created a big divide amongst some of the players some of the staff all that stuff and ultimately created you know people that were not happy and that's why you had people more than willing to spill the beans to felipe so I, as a podcast, are we now officially hashtag uh, Bocanegra out? Uh, were you about or, to say DeBoer out? <laughs> I was I mean, I to, thought I was the most extreme are, in that stance of all of us, you know, can, going like, back can we to take, the Can we take a vote? Are we, are we hashtag Bocanegra out? You can click like hand raised button, I think, on these. Yeah, I'm I feel like putting your hands hand. up is probably not the best uh, radio uh, to. Yes, yes, it is. My you hand is you raised. Don't know anything. Eric and <laughs> you Sam don't know anything about radio. I did not. <laughs> I know you can't see the two v one. It's got to be unanimous. No, so yeah, officially no. not. Officially me, not. I will say if he is out. has if there is not someone brought in to replace Paul McDonough role and I, what was he director of player personnel whatever 
Yeah, you're I'm saying gonna, if Bocanegra tries to do that himself. If it's all Bocanegra, I'm out. After seeing those salaries, I'm out. So we'll see what happens over the next few months or so, and, and, and uh, I might end up agreeing with you guys on that. Josh sounded like Mark Cuban on Shark Tank there, man. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I'm that's, I'm that's definitely, that was definitely just in my subconscious for sure. That's definitely why. <laughs> You're like, that. you know what? I if he doesn't do this, I'm out. I love Shark Tank. So, yeah. Dude, I love that show too. Definitely. Like, I watch that uh, so, every day uh, of the week. One last bit of news before we take off. That was kind of a surprise to me. That kind of dropped uh, – like while we were doing this podcast, Atlanta United uh, hosting its 2021 third kit launch, the power of the game exhibition at the national center for civil and human rights. Oh, wow. To officially unveil its third kit. Now so are they I was under like the MLK assumption, kit like the Hawks did, are they doing something like that? I was under the assumption yeah. that the parlay kits were the third kits. No, cause I, everybody got those. I'm just saying I thought those were the third. I stopped the thinking parlay the, kit or the, it's the, that was the parlay, parlay kits kit. are the nation leagues of, of kits. <laughs> That's right. Like, there you go. They all, they all count as kits, but it's not even the third kit. It's like the you get something, but it's it's just uh, just costs a lot of money. So that event will be uh, Thursday, June 17th. Um, so essentially a week from now. And, and they'll sell out within like five minutes PM. because that's what every Atlanta United. I'm excited to see is. it. I I don't I don't <laughs> think we've seen. I again I thought the parlay kit was the third kit for whatever reason. So did I. And, and uh, I, I'm excited to see what. It who, was. And I was, I was I was I was disappointed because it didn't really have any kind of Atlanta thing to it, and they all looked the same across MLS. More, uh, you know, whatever. Or the same style at least, and so now I'm excited to see what hopefully creative cool thing they've come up with for the third kit that i'll be excited excited to see and i will be happy to buy i hope it's I'm really poop, hoping it's i hope AT it's poop brown i hope it's poop nah, brown so everyone freaks out like nothing always. will be like the, columbus, anyway. the columbus crew p kits those are the best <laughs> everyone if everyone's gonna freak out about kits anyway just make it poop brown just make it poop colored and just be done with it at this point but i'll actually be that, a serious just, and provide something that i actually hope it is you know, there's kind of been some concepts floating around. I think our man Conrad's done one before, but like AT Alien style. So with like kind of funky neon colors. I would like that. Oh, yeah. I would like yeah. that. I would like that. That would be nice. I'm down. All right. Well, uh, we'll see how that goes. All right. Uh, where can they find you guys? Uh, at Sam J. Franco over here on the tweet box. And uh, I don't know why I said tweet box. That made me sound really old. Like, come find me on the tweet box. Yeah. <laughs> Well, for me at twitter.com, you can find me at joshb914. Much more hipper and young, young and hip tweets than Sam. Oh, my gosh. We are so old. Seven years ago. <laughs> oh, That's what I'm saying. We're so Seven years old. ago was the yeah, best thing. life ahead of me the last, the last We're sitting here <laughs> confirming everything we, were, we didn't want to become. The last uh, good oh, U.S. Lord. men's soccer memory is seven years old. Oh, other than the fact that the nation's Eric G. Quintana uh, on Twitter and Miles Self Podcast on MOTS at MOTS Podcast. Um, that's it. We'll see you guys next week. Until next time. See you later. Everybody.